Good evening and welcome. Welcome to all who are gathered for worship here at Covenant Reformed Church and all who join us through the internet and through the radio. We pray God will richly bless us as we gather in his presence. Our call to worship is Psalm 134. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion. This psalm is a uh, antiphonal psalm. The first two uh, stanzas are thought to, third, first two verses are thought to be spoken by one group and uh, perhaps to a leader. And the leader then responds with verse three and says, uh, the Lord who made heaven and earth bless you. And uh, each are exhorting the other to bless the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, our great God, uh, we seek his blessing and we seek to bless him by praising him and by telling of all his wonderful works. Let's bow together in prayer. Father in heaven, we do be gathered together on the evening hour of this day to, uh, to bless you, to praise you, to tell of your great works. Uh, we come as your servants, we come into your presence and we come to lift our hearts to you and uh, proclaim your glory. We thank you, O Father, that uh, you are the maker of heaven and earth, the one to whom uh, we owe all things and to whom we uh, owe all things and uh, owe our lives. We pray that you would enable us to praise you this evening, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let us praise God by singing that same psalm as we find it in selection number uh, 134, Come Bless the Lord with One Accord. We'll sing, stand if you're able and sing all three stanzas of 134. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Let's join together and confess our faith with the Church of the Ages by using the words of the Apostles' Creed, saying together, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us come before God in congregational prayer. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you, the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are the one true God, the only God. There are indeed many gods that are false gods, things that we create to give honor to and to seek after, which are empty and meaningless, and have no power. We pray, O oh Father, that we would learn to forsake all false gods and humble our hearts and minds and our lives before you, the one true God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. We thank you that you are the all-powerful God who works all things according to the counsel of your will. And uh, we thank you that there is no one who can thwart your will. We thank you that Christ is building his church and that the great gates of hell cannot prevail against it. We pray, O oh Father, that we would rejoice in seeing the work of Christ in our midst uh, from day to day and week to week as you uh, uh, help us to uh, learn about you and serve you and uh, bring up our children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. We pray, Father, that uh, we may see your hand of mercy at work in all our lives and give you the thanks and praise. Father, there are many uh, needs uh, of the congregation and those who worship with us and pray that you would uh, be attentive to those needs. Uh, you know them uh, better than uh, we do. We pray, Father, that you would be close to each one who is hurting, who is distressed or uh, worried or fearful or grieving. We, uh, uh, all who are ill and uh, seeking to recover, we pray, Father, that you would be close to them and help them in their need. May we find that uh, your grace is uh, new every morning and uh, that it is sufficient for all our needs. We pray, Father, that you would be uh, uh, 
with those who uh, rule over us in this world. We pray for our president and vice president, our senators and uh, congresswoman and uh, governor and local uh, state uh, senator and state representatives and uh, mayor and council. We pray, Father, that we may see uh, good government, righteous government, just government, punishing those who do wrong and protecting those who do what is right. We pray in our own uh, city government we may see uh, justice and righteousness and uh, the recognition that biblical standards are the standards by which we ought to be governed. We pray for our library board that uh, they may make wise decisions to protect uh, uh, young people from inappropriate uh, material, protect us all from inappropriate material, and only promote that which is good and right and, and lovely and of good report. We pray, Father, that you would be with our missionaries. We uh, remember Reverend Landassery. We thank you, Father, for another seminary student who is scheduled to be examined for licensure tomorrow. We pray that you would continue to enable the seminary to produce uh, well-trained men who can become pastors and church planters. We thank you, Father, for a Bible study uh, two hours north of Quito that has begun and uh, has the potential, if, uh, if you will, uh, if you are willing and uh, provide the means uh, for another church plant. We pray that you would uh, grant wisdom to the uh, leadership at uh, Luz de Vida that they may uh, proceed without uh, overextending their resources, both uh, human and material. We uh, pray that you would bring uh, peace to the city of Quito that has been rocked last month by deadly demonstrations against the government because of high fuel prices and unemployment and rampant crime. Uh, we pray that the unrest may uh, cease, but that it may also uh, be used to create opportunities uh, to share the gospel of peace. Please uh, continue to bless uh, Reverend Landassery as he uh, preaches uh, from Second Samuel and the Belgian Confession and as he leads Bible studies uh, from week to week. We uh, pray that you would bless him in those leadership roles and as he visits and uh, counsels uh, within the congregation from week to week. We uh, remember with other uh, United Reformed Churches today the uh, work of uh, Reverend uh, uh, Andre uh, Ferrari, we uh, thank you, Father, for his work in uh, Perugia, Italy. We uh, pray for Reverend Ferra Ferrari and his wife, Christina, that they may be uh, faithful Christians as uh, husband and wife, as grandparents, as church members, and as uh, a minister of the gospel. We pray that uh, you would continue to equip and strengthen him for the work you have called him to do. Bless uh, the efforts being made to form an Italian uh, communion or a fellowship of churches, uh, especially for a true spiritual bond among uh, the ministers and elders. And we pray uh, that the church in uh, Perugia and the whole region of Umbrea uh, may have effective witness, uh, being a light in a dark place and bringing glory to God through uh, the growth of the church. Father, we pray for these and others who are, are bringing your word uh, to others around the world. We thank you that we can be co-laborers with them and support them with our gifts and with our prayers. We uh, pray, Father, for this uh, coming weekend that as uh, families uh, gather for the holiday to celebrate uh, our national independence, that they may be kept safe in their travels, that they may have good fellowship with one another and uh, return safely in, the due, in due time. Be with those who are hand, uh, 
handling dangerous explosives, that they may be kept safe also, and uh, that we would uh, be good stewards of all that you have entrusted to us. Bless us also as we bring our offering this evening for the Christian Education Assistance Fund. Enable us to uh, give willingly and cheerfully, for we know that you love a cheerful giver. Oh, Father, bless us uh, this day and uh, in the week ahead that uh, in all things we may honor you, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let us continue to worship God in song by singing selection number 390, uh, which is it? 396, 396, uh, stand if you're able and sing all the stanzas. Our scripture reading is taken both from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Reading first from the Old Testament, Psalm 23, page 631 in the Pew Bible, page 631, the familiar words of Psalm 23. Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then reading from the New Testament from Matthew chapter 6 on page 1117, 1117, Matthew 6 beginning at verse 19 and reading through verse 34. Matthew 6 verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If, your eye is, if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters, for, he, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Thus far the reading of God's word, may he add his blessing to it. In conjunction with the scripture, I'd like to read to you from the Heidelberg Catechism found on page uh, 256 in the Forms and Prayers book that are in the uh, pew rack, the Forms and Prayers book, page 256. Lord's Day 50, concerning the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. It reads, what does the fourth petition mean? Give us this day our daily bread means provide for all our physical needs so that we may recognize that you are the only source of everything good and that neither our care and work nor your gifts can do us any good without your blessing. Therefore, may we withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it in you alone. Beloved of the Lord, we have been considering together the 
uh, articles of the, uh, or the petitions of the Lord's Prayer uh, and uh, as they are interpreted by the Catechism and come now to that fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread. The first three petitions, uh, may God's name be hallowed, may his kingdom come and may his will be done, kind of set the priorities for our life. These are the things that are most important. These are the things that come first. These are the things that we are to pursue. But in order to be able to do that, we have to, uh, we have to live and uh, we have to be uh, granted uh, forgiveness and uh, strength as we fight against sin. And so uh, this second half of the Lord's Prayer, beginning with this petition, are about the, the necessities that enable us to fulfill the priorities. The priorities come first and now the necessities so that we can uh, pursue those priorities. And uh, Jesus here commands us to pray for daily bread. And we need to ask the question, what exactly does that mean? Well, let me set before you at least four things that this means. First of all, it means praying for the basic necessities of life. The word in the prayer is bread, but bread there is used symbolically to represent everything that we need. That's a common uh, usage of the word bread in the Bible. For example, uh, in the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 3, 19, uh, God uh, curses Adam and says, uh, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your bread. Now, does that mean that uh, only bread is going to be difficult? Only the, uh, the flour and the, uh, the yeast and the water and the oil and the salt or whatever else you uh, put in your bread, those, those things are going to be hard to come by and hard to produce. But when it comes to uh, uh, steak and uh, potatoes and uh, oranges and grapes and watermelon, all of that stuff is going to be really easy for you to, to supply. Now, of course, that, that's not what it means. Uh, bread there stands for everything that you, you're going to need to sustain your physical life, you're going to have to work hard for. Uh, and so we see the, the figurative use of the word bread there. Uh, Jesus does the same thing in Matthew 4, verse 4, when he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth uh, of the Lord. Well, does that mean that if you have a loaf of bread and a Bible, you have everything you need? No, again, bread there stands for uh, all the, uh, the basic necessities. Uh, John Calvin uh, said, uh, not only food and clothing, but uh, what we need in order to eat our bread in peace. Uh, that's included. Uh, Luther has quite an extensive list of things that uh, bread stands for. He says, uh, all that pertains to nourishment and needs of the body as drink, food, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, cattle, money, property, pious husband or pious wife, pious children, pious servants, pious and faithful rulers, good government, good seasons, peace, health, education, honor, good friends, trustworthy neighbors. And if that isn't enough, he concludes the list with, and the like, uh, end of quote. It's quite a list of things that are included by the word bread. 
And so uh, the first thing we need to understand here is that Jesus is telling us, commanding us, that when we pray, we should pray for the basic necessities of life. Go to him and ask him to give us the basic necessities of life. But now, although this is an inclusive term, it's also a term that is teaching us to be modest. That's the second thing that this uh, uh, commandment or this petition is teaching us, is that we are to be modest in our request because the word bread stands for the necessities. It doesn't stand for the luxuries. It's not a prayer that says, make me rich and give me fame and glory. Uh, that's not what we are commanded to pray for. In fact, the Bible warns us again and again, as I read from Matthew and in other places, that we are not to uh, have uh, covetous desire. Uh, Timothy writes, or Paul writes to Timothy, Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, and into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. God may give wealth, but we are not to covet it or pray for it. Pray only for what is necessary. I recall when uh, a long time ago in the, in the late 80s, I had a, a catechism student, a high school young man, and uh, we were talking about uh, gambling. And he said, but suppose it's God's will for me to be rich, and, and the lottery is the way that I'm supposed to get rich. I said, it may well be that God's will for you is to be rich, but uh, he's not uh, going to command you to uh, get money through gambling because gambling is uh, thievery, and where it's legal, it's legalized thievery. And although you can get rich through thievery, many thieves have, uh, they end up paying for it for all eternity in hell because uh, uh, thieves are not welcome in the kingdom of God. Uh, so, yes, God may uh, uh, seek uh, to make you wealthy, but uh, his command is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and with regard to the things that you need, uh, he will supply. Uh, there is great gain in godliness with contentment. We need to, to be content with what we have. Um, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be ambitious in your career, uh, that you shouldn't try to uh, better yourself and uh, be more productive with the use of your time and talent and energy. But what is your motive for pushing ahead? Is your motive because I want to get rich, I want to buy a bigger house, a better house and so forth, and a bigger car and fancier, I want to show off and have fancy clothes and all that sort of thing? Or is it that I want to be a better servant of God? use my gifts to help more people as uh, we seek to honor God by serving those around us with the gifts that God has given us he'll take care of our needs one of the ways that you can know if you are guilty of the love of money is whether you know you have enough 
you've heard the proverbial story, perhaps, of the, the poor man who uh, bumps into the rich man, the rich man who loves to boast of his riches, and the, the poor man says to the rich man, I have something which your riches can never uh, obtain for you. And uh, the rich man haughtily said, what do you have that I can't get? And uh, the poor man says, I have enough, I have enough. Those who love money never have enough. And uh, it's a good test to put to yourself. Uh, are, are you content with what you have? Are you content with what God has given you in life, your, your lot in life? Is, is this what uh, uh, you are receiving from God with a spirit of contentment? The Apostle Paul said, I have learned. I have learned, whether in poverty or in plenty, I have learned to be content. And uh, so it is that uh, we are called to, to be content. Uh, this uh, prayer teaches us to be modest. It teaches us to pray for the necessi necessities, and it uh, teaches us to be modest and not to be covetous and filled with uh, the love of money. Thirdly, he's, he's teaching us to be generous because it's not give me my daily bread, but give us our daily bread. And by including others in your prayer, praying that God would supply the needs of others, you're recognizing that you're not the only needy person in the world. There are other needy people, and you're, you're praying for them. And as you work to supply your own needs, you need to work to supply the needs of others. Uh, the Bible says, let the thief no longer steal, but let him do honest work with his hands that he may be able to give to those who are in need. Previously, his hands were, were grasping and greedy and pulling things to himself, but uh, instead uh, he's to put those hands uh, to work so that he can be generous and open-handed to those who are in need. And, and that too is an implication of this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And perhaps one other thing that he's uh, teaching us here is that it is fitting and proper, in fact, it's commanded that we pray for the ordinary things of life, things that we sometimes would think are mundane. You know, one of the things that stands out on that list of things that Luther says is included in uh, daily bread, one of the things he mentions is shoes. Uh, uh, it's a, a small thing, uh, but it's something that uh, is part of our daily life. I know there are little children that like, like to run around uh, barefoot and uh, sometimes pay a price for that, but uh, shoes, shoes are, are important. And, but have you prayed for, about shoes? Well, you shouldn't be ashamed to uh, pray about shoes if uh, you have uh, particularly problems with regard to getting good shoes or shoes that fit the... Uh, the abnormalities of your feet. Uh, we all seem to have uh, abnormalities uh, somewhere on our body, and many, uh, like me, have it in their feet. And, and so buying shoes isn't always easy, and uh, we need to uh, not rely on our own resources, but uh, to go to God and uh, bring even the little things of life. So he's teaching us to pray for the necessities. He's teaching us to be modest. He's teaching us to be generous, and he's teaching us that there is nothing too small that we ought not to bring to him. But now, as I meditate upon this petition uh, and have in the past, uh, I've often wondered and thought about the fact that uh, why do we have to pray this? Uh, even the Bible uh, asks that. It's, uh, if, 
If God already knows all that we need, the Bible says God already knows all that we need, why do we have to ask him for it? Uh, you know, he gave me life. He gave me a body that needs food. It's not my fault that my body needs food. He made me that way. I, I can blame God for the fact that I need food and I need shoes and I need all the necessities of life. If, if he made me to need these things, shouldn't he just supply it? Why do I have to go to him and ask for it? Well, yeah, it, that is logical that if God made us to need these things, then he is under obligation to supply them. And he did. He did. Right at the very beginning, God uh, said to Adam and Eve, right after he created them, Genesis 1, verse 29, and God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. God created them with bodies that need food, and he immediately supplied the food and supplied everything else that they needed as well. Again, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Every tree that is pleasant for sight and good for food. He put them in the garden. He put them in paradise, although what made it paradise was not so much the fruit. The fruit was great, but what made it paradise was God was there with them. Uh, that's what made it paradise. It was the first temple that God had on earth. But nevertheless, he provided in that temple, in that paradise, he provided them with food. All they had to do was walk around and, and reach up and take it off the tree, and they were, their needs were met. And every other need that they would have had, God would have supplied as well. So God created us as needy creatures with bodily needs, and when he created us with those needs, he immediately supplies those needs. Well, why then do we have to ask? Well, because something happened. <laughs> something happened that upset everything. Adam and Eve sinned against God, rebelled against God. And the wages of sin is, the wages of sin is death. God no longer is under obligation to support our lives. The only thing that God is obligated to do now is to give us what we deserve, and what we deserve is death for our sins. That's what justice demands. If he gives us something else, if he gives us less than death, he's being merciful, he's being kind. And of course, God is merciful and kind. And the sentence of death, although it was immediately administered in terms of separation from God, which is the essence of death, and uh, their bodies began to age and return to the, uh, begin, began to return to the dust from which it was made, nevertheless, uh, uh, God was uh, gracious and uh, made promises to them to uh, support their lives. And uh, they would... Uh, they would eat now, but it's not going to be easy anymore. Now you will eat your bread by the sweat of your brow. And so because sin has entered the world, uh, we have to come to God and, 
and uh, as beggars <laughs> and uh, say, Lord, have mercy. Uh, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve it, but uh, please give me the necessities of life. Now, not quite as beggars because he has made promises. He has made loving promises to supply uh, and help his people. But nevertheless, it is because of sin that we now have to ask for the things that we need. But there's another reason why we have to ask, and that is that asking is a way of acknowledging and confessing that you believe that God is the only source of everything good. When you ask God for things, you're, you're acknowledging that you need it from Him and that, and that these good things do come from Him. To understand that, Think of the opposite. What's the opposite of praying for these things? Well, the opposite of praying for daily bread is trusting in someone or something else to provide what you need. Sadly, lots of people, perhaps even some who go to church and maybe even some who go to this church, seldom pray. Some never pray. I'll let you be the judge if that applies to you or not. Uh, I don't need to know, uh, but uh, I, I've been around in the pastoral ministry long enough to know that there are churchgoers who seldom pray and some who never pray, or even if they do pray, pray their, their prayers are automatic, their prayers are unthinking, their prayers are mechanical, their prayers are a mere token, uh, uh, an obligatory routine. Prayer is, is careless and, and hasty. It can hardly be called true prayer. It's just a habit that we got into and we say memorized words that we don't even think about the meaning anymore. If you're not really praying, then you are trusting someone or something else to supply your needs. Maybe you're trusting in your own strength to supply your needs. You say, I'm a hard worker, and I'm a smart worker, and I can take care of myself, and I can take care of my family. I'm a good provider. I provide for what we need. Maybe you're trusting in that uh, inheritance you hope to inherit when mom and dad uh, pass away. Uh, maybe that's what you're uh, trusting in. When I, when I get that money, then I'll be set, and then I'll have everything that I need. Maybe you're... Uh, uh, trusting in the lottery, going secretly and uh, buying lottery tickets and thinking that that's going to be the means of uh, making me rich. Uh, your trust, if you're not praying, if you're not asking God, you're, you're, you're trusting that these things are going to come to you from somewhere else and for someone else, and, and that's the thing you put your trust in. That's your idol. That's, that's not the true God. Now, you say, no, no, I, I believe I'm dependent on God for all I need. Well, why then aren't you praying like you mean it? If you are trusting in God for all that you need, then pray, because that's what he says you should do. When you pray, pray this way. Give us our, this day our daily bread. Now, I mentioned before that God makes promises, and he makes the promises especially to his covenant people that he will care for them. Uh, that's what Psalm 23 is all about. Uh, uh, the goodness of the Lord shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, he leads me by green pastures and uh, still waters, and he, he, he watches over me. His uh, word and his spirit uh, count, 
counsel me and comfort me, and even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, he'll keep me safe. Uh, I'm trusting in the Good Shepherd to, to care for me. Uh, he promises to take care of us. When Noah came out of the ark, God said, uh, every, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you, and as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. He uh, promised that uh, as long as the earth endures, uh, seed time and harvest will not cease. He fed uh, Jacob's family from the bounty in Egypt during the seven years of famine, and he gave manna in the desert uh, for 40 years to his people when they wandered in the wilderness. And when their wilderness wandering was done, he gave them a land flowing with milk and honey, with wells already dug, vineyards already planted, olive trees already producing, houses already built. He provided for their needs. He is a covenant God. He says, I will be your God, you will be my people and uh, he promises uh, to bless us. And so when we pray, uh, we are asking God to fulfill that promise. And if he's promised it, you can be sure that he will say yes, that uh, he will do it. Uh, he will not uh, deny what he has promised. We can pray with confidence. We can pray believing that God will give us what we stand in need of as long as he, it is his will to uh, support us in this life. There'll come a time when he takes us from this life, but until that day, uh, the psalmist says, I have been been old and I have never seen the right bread. Uh, God supplies their, their prayers when they come humbly in faith. And the same is true with regard to, to Jesus himself, who is the bread of life uh, through whom we have eternal life. He has promised that if you come to him, he will not turn you away. Everyone who comes to him, he receives, and uh, he who has begun a good work in you will bring it uh, to completion. The Catechism makes reference to another reason why we should pray, not uh, uh, merely as a, uh, because of uh, sin, uh, uh, making it necessary to pray and not merely to as a confession and an acknowledgement that, that God is God and the source of every good and perfect gift, but because without his blessing, uh, nothing that we do will truly succeed. You know the scripture, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. It's, it's true that we need to work. Second uh, Thessalonians says, if anyone does not work, neither shall he eat but we're commanded not to trust in our work. We look to God for, our, we need to look to God for our daily needs because uh, you can get up early and you can stay up late, but in the end you will only eat the bread of anxious toil. All will be in vain. Uh, one man built his house upon the rock and when the storm came, uh, the house uh, stood, but another man worked very hard building his house on the sand, trusting in himself, trusting in his own wisdom, not trusting in God or Christ. And when the storms came, his house was destroyed. So would it be uh, for those who work but do not trust God to bless their labors. Moses gives this uh, lengthy warning in Deuteronomy 8, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your, your herds and flocks multiply and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. 
who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground and where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good to you in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, and that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. Moses says, you're going to get rich. <laughs> Don't forget the Lord when you get rich. But sadly, that's what happened to Israel. Nehemiah chapter 9, Nehemiah prays, we grew fat and we forgot the Lord. We grew fat and we forgot the Lord and because of that he sent them out of the land into Babylon, into captivity. He punished them. All that had been promised in the land of plenty, the land flowing with milk and honey was taken away from them because they forgot God. And so we're commanded to pray to pray to God for what we need, to trust Him to give us what we need, to not trust in ourselves, and when we have plenty, when we have a lot, to continue to humbly trust in Him. When you come to God in humble faith, seeking from Him all that you need to live, remembering that you are wholly dependent on Him, content to receive whatever He gives, and praying also for others, He will supply your every need in answer to your prayers. Having given us His Son, how will he not also along with him give, graciously give us all things? Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the creator of the heavens and the earth and that you are the sustainer of all things and that you sustain our lives daily through all the good gifts that you give to us in answer to our prayers. We thank you for the rich promises that you give to your covenant people to supply our every need and we pray that we may come to you in prayer, believing those promises and seeking from you all that we need. And when you shower our lives with plenty, help us, O oh Father, to remain humble and generous and uh, to not forget you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>